lead her every day, living for messy action. This is the Lifestyle Leadership Podcast for women who want to be the best version of themselves while making an impact. And who are willing to take messy and perfect action to get there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Dr. Tay. And we are here to guide and empower you to lead yourself every day. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, y'all, we are back with another episode. And oh my goodness, this one, I think it's going to really, really resonate. So we have Dr. Nicole Thaxton on today, or she's known in the social media world as Coco Thax. And we talk about anxious achievers. And it was cool. It was a conversation of her educating, but we also all told our stories of how we identified with this and how we began to shift away from it and build awareness. And I think that's the thing that no matter where you are in this journey, you know, I think you're going to get in by journey. I mean, like this self-development, self-discovery journey, you're going to get some tidbit, whether it's just building awareness of what an anxious achiever is or moving into, okay, how do you really start to redefine your identity? I think you're going to find it in this episode. Well, we will get right to it. Can't wait for you guys to listen and hear what you think. And now over to the episode. Just as a reminder, anything shared on our episodes are not clinical advice. Please talk to a qualified mental health professional if you are needing more support. All right, everybody, we are so excited to be here today with our friend, Nicole. Nicole and I, I think, connected on Instagram, like all great creative relationships, right? But she's actually local to where I am, um, which is cool. So Nicole, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Do you want to start off by just telling the listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. So um like like you mentioned, I'm Nicole Thaxton. Some know me as Dr. Nicole. Some know me as Coco Thax. People think that's my name. <laughs> but yeah, I so I'm a therapist. I am the co-founder of Atlanta Wellness Collective, and we are a holistic counseling and wellness practice. We have offices located in Marietta, Georgia, and in Ackworth, Georgia. Um, and then we serve clients across the state um, virtually as well. I I own that with my husband, who's also a therapist. So some <laughs> people think that's kind of interesting or weird um, being married to a therapist as well. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. I live in the Marietta area um, near Jordan. And yeah, I've been sharing on social media, I would say like since probably like 2016 ish. Um, so on Instagram now on TikTok, which is really fun, but that's a little bit about me. And I have to give a plug for just, I remember watching your business start and you guys just opened your second office. And I actually reached out to a few friends to like get some recommendations on local organizations and two people were like, you have to go to ATL wellness collective. Like it's so good. So just congratulations. I mean, on such an awesome thriving business, it's been so exciting to watch. Thank you. That's so sweet. We like when people refer to us, we, I mean, that just means so much to us. So I'm glad people are saying good things. We try. Absolutely. I feel like that's so huge, like in the therapy world is, you know, word of mouth and people feeling like that they can trust their providers. You know, there's a lot time and time again, we hear people not being able to trust their providers, you know, or not feeling like it's a safe space. So when you get referrals and recommendations, it means, you know, you and the therapist working under you, I feel like are creating that safe space, which is pretty amazing. So 
tell me real quick, because I don't know, where did Coco Facts come from then? <laughs> That's kind of weird. I don't, so originally, I'm trying to think, like originally, I think it was because I didn't want like clients finding me. Um, that didn't work. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't. I so, <laughs> my, my nickname is Coco. All my family and my close friends and, you know, my nieces and everybody calls me Coco. That's always been my nickname coming from Nicole. Um, and then I honestly, I've never actually shared this before, but there was a girl that I followed on Instagram. Her name, I still remember. I don't follow. I don't think I follow her anymore, but her name was like Lolo Webb or something. And it was like Lauren Webb. I don't know. She was like an influencer. I don't even know where she is now, but I was like, okay, Coco Thax, that's kind of cute. So I, I've never shared that, but I took it kind of from her name. I thought it was cute. And then, yeah, so people think my last name is Thax and it's Thaxton. And then like people call me Coco and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. like the, when I was talking to Taylor, I was like, we really need to get her on. Um, and we just like refer to you as Coco Thack. So it's just funny how people's yeah. Instagram names like just become their identity in some conversations. That's awesome. I feel like this could be like a longer combo too, but I've shared with people that it just, just talking about social media and this is off topic, but you know, I feel like social media is like a different kind of persona of me. Mm. I tell people and like, it's not really like the full me. It's kind of like a curated me. I mean, it is me, but it's not me. And this is like something I've legitimately processed in therapy, in my own therapy with social media. But so I feel like Coco Thax is, is like online me, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's like, like kind it, of a persona. Like an alter <laughs> ego, kind of. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's me, but. It's you, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love sure. it. I mean, social media is such a fascinating place and I don't, know about you, but I also find social media being in, you know, the therapy world and being a therapist is so interesting too. And, you know, just figuring out like people get to see your life, which in traditionally with therapy, it's like, yeah, you didn't share much. I mean, we don't share much about our lives in the room, but they get the behind the scenes on social media. So it's, it's unique. It is really unique. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we could talk about that for hours. I was just but... thinking that I was just, I'm like, there's nothing like walking into daycare and having someone be like, I found you on Instagram. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Do not unfollow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So what inspired you to become a therapist? Um, and then you, you know, got your PhD. Tell us a little bit about that journey for you. Yeah. So weird. I was kind of thinking about this. I've shared this before, but it's like, there's a few different stories and I always, I feel like I always tell a different one, which is kind of weird, but I mean, in practicality, I wanted to be a dermatologist my whole life, um, which is kind of weird. Um, but I started interning when I was 18 at a counseling center at a church. I didn't really know anything about counseling, but I, I tell one version of the story that I tell is my whole family has like always been in therapy, like my grandparents, my parents, like it was totally normalized. My, my grandma was in therapy like forever. I mean, it just like, wasn't weird. Um, and I have a, it, it is amazing. Yeah. And my, my grandma has like, 
I won't, I won't share, but she has like a pretty famous therapist in the Atlanta area, I would say. So she's been seeing her since like, probably, I don't know, like the eighties, like maybe the seventies, like, I don't know. But, um, anyway, therapy is like super normalized and my brother is now a psychiatrist too. So yeah, I, I guess like it was just happenstance that I, I got this internship in this counseling center at a church and everybody were licensed professional counselors, LPCs, which I am now in the state of Georgia. And I was like, okay, I want to do that. So I switched my major. I just loved psychology. I found it really fascinating. A lot of people say that most therapists go into it because of like their own stories, which would be like another version of my story (laughs) as to why I went into mental health. But I just kind of started pursuing the journey that way. So got my bachelor's in psych and then I got my master's and that was three years. So most counselors and therapists um, have master's degrees and then decided after my master's to get my PhD and have been in private practice since 2016 now. And what's your PhD in then? So my PhD is in counselor ed, uh, counselor education and supervision. Okay, cool. So what- I am not a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> what made you be like, okay, I want a PhD, like, especially, and maybe at the time you didn't know you were going to transition into private practice, but So I actually, I actually was already working in private practice. So yeah, I've been in private practice. Um, Oh, I feel like I'm such a mess with interviews because I'm like, there's like multiple stories, you know, I'm like, there's this version, there's this version, the PhD, honestly, like I tell people the opportunity was kind of presented to me and I was like, well, I'm not really doing anything else. So why not? not? Honestly, that's kind of how it worked out. It was just kind of like the opportunity was there. I was like, okay. I'm not really doing anything else. I wasn't married. RJ and I weren't married yet, but we were dating. And um, another thing that I I do share with people is I completed all of my education completely debt-free, which I'm really really proud of. That was really intentional. Um, And I didn't have any debt when I graduated with my master's. So I was like, honestly, I wouldn't have gotten a PhD if that weren't the case. And I I always share that because like when I decided to do the PhD, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this without any student debt. And I was able to do that. So that, that kind of pushed me to do it also. That's incredible. Congratulations. One thing I find so interesting about your specialty, I guess maybe that's not like a technical term, but from the outside looking in, and especially on Instagram, is that you have a very specific group of people that you speak to. And we call these people the anxious achievers. And being a leadership podcast for high achieving women, when I see the word anxious achiever, it should probably be my middle name. Um, so <laughs> could you tell? <laughs> right. I think like for all of us in some capacity. So could you tell the listeners, you know, to you, what is an anxious achiever and why anxious achievers? Yeah. Well, and I have to kind of share how that started because when I started in private practice, it was around the time that I got on Instagram too. And and there wasn't really this like mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, TikTok wasn't a thing. So there wasn't this like mental health, Instagram, mental health, TikTok. I mean, I didn't Nobody was like sharing stuff like that, really. Maybe they were like the early, early adopters. But when I started in private practice, I was getting a lot of clients who, like me, were really high achieving. I mean, I've been, I would say, really high achieving my whole life and very anxious. I Part of my history, I was diagnosed with two anxiety disorders in my early, early 20s, but pretty much been in therapy 
nonstop for the past 12 years myself. And I was getting clients who were kind of similar to me and experiencing this like really high anxiety. But what I always tell people is when you are diagnosing and, and like Taylor can speak to this too, when you're diagnosing a anxiety disorder or a mental health disorder, like one of the big things is that it's impairing functioning. And so you know, you're maybe not able to function or you think of the stereotypical like depression that keeps you in bed all day or you can't work. And, you know, back in 2015, 2016, I was seeing when I started out clients who were over-functioning out of their kind of anxiety. Anxiety was causing like this hyperactivity, like really, really high functioners. Um, and it was confusing at the time because I hadn't ever come across high-functioning anxiety or anxious achievement. Like I wasn't, that wasn't out there. So I was confused. I was like, well, what, what, what is this? You know, like they're not under functioning or having a hard time functioning, which, you know, our, our, all of our diagnostic measures would tell us is the case. So I just started kind of doing my own research. I remember researching high functioning anxiety and finding like two articles. <laughs> and now it's so crazy. Cause I started posting about it a bit more and I see it everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, um, through social media, but that's kind of where I would say that started and just kind of sharing my own journey with that and with anxiety. And then it just connected with people. Like you're saying, Jordan, they're like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is me. So yeah, I would say like for somebody who is a has maybe high functioning anxiety or somebody who would consider themselves an anxious achiever, it's just like a really high functioning individual, most of the time doing super well in career or academics or athletics or whatever it might be, but the anxiety is really, really high. And it's like, instead of anxiety shutting you down, it like can sometimes cause you to over-function or people please, or there's a lot of like perfectionism and kind of finding worth and achievement. So I would say those are most of the individuals I work with now clinically. And then I also founded the Anxious Achievers Club, which is my weekly newsletter. And that's super fun just to yeah. connect with other people who kind of go through the same things that I do. I'd love to touch on this piece of impairment because it is really interesting. We often think of impairment as like stopping you from doing something. And it's interesting because I would say probably not all anxious achievers have impairment, but there is impairment with this over-functioning, yeah. but a cultural influence that surrounds that too, where it's like, that's applauded and praised and, you know, like that go, go, go mentality. And yet- when we actually take a step back, at least in a clinical sense, we absolutely can define that as impairment. So I'm curious, like, what do you find then that line is between someone just being like a little bit anxious and high achieving and they're, you know, it's not causing that impairment to, okay, it is causing impairment. Or another way to frame this is like, maybe like, when do people start to think about seeking therapy? So I always, I always share that the one thing about like high functioning anxiety is that it's often totally masked on the outside. So nobody would maybe look at Jordan. <laughs> I'm just going to use you as an example. I know you already self-disclosed, mm -hmm. but nobody would look at Jordan and be like, oh, like she is, man, homegirl is struggling, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And so it mostly is on the inside. It's mostly internal. It's mostly just this constant feeling of overwhelm or burnout or dread. And like, I would say that can be really tricky because with a lot of other things, it's like maybe a spouse or maybe a friend would be like, Hey, have you thought about like 
going and talking to somebody or whatever, this really has to be like self-motivated because so much of it is hidden. Mm-hmm. And I find that because I work with a lot of men as well who experience a lot of high functioning anxiety. So men or women, it doesn't really matter. I mean, whoever find that it really takes them coming to the point where they're like, this isn't working for me anymore. This maybe hustle mentality or this identity that I've built with my career or achievement. Like I'm completely overwhelmed. Nobody sees it. I'm just expected to continue to perform at high levels. And it really feels like they hit a breaking point where they're like, I need to work on this. And it's kind of like a deconstruction process. That we go through. Well, I think to Taylor's point too, it's like all of my life. And again, I'm, I'm totally fine to being open, you know, sharing this example, but all of my life, not in a bad way, but my parents were very encouraging of me. They're like, and especially my dad, like I, I worked for my dad. I always wanted to make my dad happy. So it was like the, the tipping point for me was like, Oh, you know, I'm doing great. I'm excelling. I'm getting praise. Like And all of a sudden it's like no longer a good thing. All of a sudden, I wish that I could be that person that didn't have these like crazy goals and wild dreams that kept them up all night. You know, all of a sudden I wish that I could, I'm like, I would always tell my husband, like, I wonder what it's like to just not want to be anything more than I am right now. And that was a point where I was like, this, there's a tipping point. There's a fine line here of like, there's, I don't want to say good anxiety, but there's like good drive and motivation that propels you to do more and be more. And then there's a very fine line where I feel like it, it turns unhealthy. So definitely like helping people, which I think you do help people do that with your platform. Like identify. I remember as soon as you started, cause I'd already followed you. And as soon as I started seeing like anxious achievers club, I was like, that's it. That's me. And I just was like, how incredible one, that there's other people out there that feel like this, but that you have this community. Yeah. Well, I, I actually want to share too, because I feel like Jordan and I have kind of different stories, but mine, I mean, I was, I just left academia. Like that was where I was. That was my dream. And I didn't realize how much of my identity you were talking about identity was tied up in, you know, going into academia, being a researcher, getting grants, writing publications. And for me, what the tipping point was, it it just was interesting listening to you describe the tipping point. I'm like, oh yeah, I went through this. (laughs) But it was kind of just like, I felt I was like so used to achieving and reaching. And I graduated with my PhD in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. I remember um, we didn't have an in-person graduation, which was devastating, especially for someone whose identity is so wrapped up in this PhD. And so, but my mom still had me get like the whole like cap gown and it's a hooding ceremony. And we did it at home and I was so mad at her because she couldn't figure out how to do it the right way. Why the hell would she know how to hood me? You know, like, but I was so mad and it was, I just, I was angry, honestly. And I realized now looking back, I was angry because it was like my identity was being rocked. And then not only was it challenging, you know, to do this all in the pandemic. And then, you know, you're thinking what's next and all of that. It's like, I really was thinking, 
what's next? Like, what else do I achieve? And even though I was going into a career that was highly achievement oriented, it still felt really scary for me to be like, I'm done with school. I'm done with like getting this grade and someone Mm -hmm. being like, good job, you know, and working towards this like really clear thing, which was a degree. And it's, it's so fascinating. And so I, I kept going for a while. And then I was like, I just felt unfulfilled. I can't even, it's hard for me to articulate it. It just was this feeling. I didn't feel like depressed necessarily. There were some days I felt a little off, but I didn't feel like depressed. And in my brain, of course, I'm going, am I meeting diagnostic criteria for depression? Am I meeting diagnostic criteria for anxiety? And I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, but it was just not being fulfilled. And so I actually chose to hire a coach and it was a business coach because I did have, you know, like a, a side hustle doing makeup stuff. And that's how it started. And then all of a sudden I realized it went very quickly from my business to who am I as a person? What is my identity? And I will tell you starting that. And then I transitioned to therapy eventually, you know, when I wanted to really work on my feelings, it's been so, I mean, it's been a 180. I went from all of grad school being like, I am going to be a researcher to now I just launched a private practice. I didn't like clinical work before because I realized I couldn't achieve in clinical work. Right. Um, And I was relying on someone else to make progress. And when I learned to like slow down and enjoy, it was it was mind blowing. And so I share that and I know Jordan shares her and we talk about these things a lot on our podcast, but like I feel like we don't often think of this, like this anxious achiever and what that means and how it can impact your life. And it's, again, it's so normalized Mm -hmm. in some ways, which in some regards is not a bad thing. And then in other regards, it stops us from seeking help. And I had to go to coaching first before therapy, because honestly, I wasn't ready to seek therapy yet, even though I tell people to seek therapy all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think like both of you sharing your stories is really powerful because I'm sure like so many listening to your podcast probably find themselves in that same position of like achievement oriented, like leaders. And I think after a while, it not only becomes our identity, but I know for me, it became what people just expected of me. And so then there's like, well, if I kind of quit this pattern, if I kind of quit doing this, am I going to, I'm not only kind of letting myself down and I don't really know who I am anymore, but I'm also feel like I'm letting a lot of other people down who are kind of also getting benefit from me just achieving all the time and doing all these exciting things. And I mean, I had a complete transformation, Taylor, I would say similar, very similar to you where, again, I've shared this in like other podcast interviews of, I, I, like when I was maybe halfway, three fourths of the way done with my PhD, I had this like full blown kind of identity crisis of like my whole life. There's always like a next step. There's always like something to achieve. There's always like that next thing. And I I think it was like, I would have to kind of maybe analyze it a little bit more, but it was like, why, why did I do all of this? What was the point? And like, and yeah, kind of what's next, not as much that, but just like, what, like, why have I been doing this my whole life? Like, cause the earliest I remember being this way was when I was five, six years old. So 
and my family's very high achieving. And I, I share that a lot too. So there was always just these high expectations, but so much of it was internally motivated. And so much of it was, well, this is just how we are. Like, this is how we are as a family, you know, this is what we do. And so breaking that down, I would say a lot of people going back to your other question, a lot of people seek therapy, at least in my experience or our clients I work with, when they have a life transition like that. So maybe their D1 career is ending, or maybe they are completing the degree or they're shifting careers and they've seen their, themselves as this one thing for so long and, or they're becoming a mom or whatever. And life is parenting. Yeah. Life is shifting. Life is shifting. And the way that I've been viewing myself and the way I've been viewing my worth, it's not working for me anymore. So people kind of hit this wall like I did, and then they kind of find their way into my office. And a lot of, so a lot of my newsletter, which goes out, it goes out pretty much every Friday. It comes from like client experiences and stories. I mean, obviously like not sharing the the client story or info, but it comes out of like sessions that I have. And then I'll kind of write and have conversation around that, whether it's like perfectionism or whether it's this hustle culture mentality, or I wrote one a few weeks ago that like really hit with a lot of people. And it was like this pressure to monetize everything we do and like monetize our hobbies and like Uh have all these side hustles, which been, been there, done that. So anyway, the newsletter kind of comes out of those therapy sessions. And I feel like they're always good convos of just topics around this idea. We'll definitely put the link in your show notes so people can subscribe. And I'm making a mental to-do for myself to go subscribe because that sounds amazing. So would you, I mean, every person is different and unique in their stories and their challenges, but like from your work with anxious achievers and the way that you lead and serve them in your content, especially in, in your newsletter, if there were like three tips or routines that you would say, you know, as a general consensus, I would recommend these things. Do you have anything like that to provide listeners who might be also struggling with something like this? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the time it, well, it, it is so like individualized, right? Like some people, I think across the board, like I always encourage people to quit things. <laughs> So I I always encourage people, I'm like, we're doing too much. Like, especially Mm -hmm. if you consider yourself an anxious achiever, like I typically am encouraging my clients to quit a few things. (laughs) Oftentimes it's like learning to say no, um, because I think there's a lot of people pleasing. And I know for me, I would have a lot of anxiety, not so much anymore, just with like the work that I've done, but I used to have so much anxiety around saying no to an opportunity or saying no to something that might get me ahead or might get me a connection or might get me a paid job or something like that, where there was so much anxiety around that. And so learning to say no, I think is really important. And I think we could have a whole conversation around like scarcity mindset and how a lot of that for me came out of scarcity mindset. There's not going to be enough. There's not going to be more opportunity. This is it. So doing some work around that, you know, if you have a hard time saying no, or if you're have some people pleasing tendencies, quitting some things, which involves saying no. (laughs) And then I think one of the biggest things for me, I'm huge. And I, I share this a lot in the newsletter, like this will totally come out in the newsletter and on social, um, is I'm, I'm huge into journaling and particularly kind of future self journaling, anxious thought journaling, things like that, where if we're not really aware of the kind of internal dialogue that we have, then we're kind of living life unaware of maybe what's influencing us. So 
I mean, I've made it a practice to journal anxious thoughts or, you know, what's kind of behind this, what's coming up like daily. And I, I only take, I tell people three to five minutes, like this doesn't need to be like some 30 minute morning routine process, but just kind of sitting clear with your thoughts. And actually one of my favorite resources is from Dr. Nicole LaPera and she's the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She has a free future self journaling like PDF you can get. You just like, I guess, sign up for her newsletter or whatever and get this future self journaling. And I did that and I still do, but I did that for probably a year or two straight kind of every day. She encourages you to do it every day. And that really changed a lot of things for me just mentally about where my worth comes from, like the underlying motives of why I was doing a lot of what I was doing. And I would encourage people to start there because they're all free options. I mean, it's free to say no, it's free to quit a few of your responsibilities. I mean, I really don't commit to a lot of things anymore at all. Like, I think a lot of people think I'm like really hella busy and I'm really not like, (laughs) like my life is pretty boring now. And I, I only say yes to the things that really, really, truly matter. So I do have like a, a workshop, actually. I can share the link with you guys. I have a workshop that I did last year on getting really clear on what matters most to you and not kind of defining the choices that you make and the places that your time goes. And that came out of kind of the journaling work that I did, really discovering what mattered most to me and then kind of saying no to the rest of it. Yeah. I love that. I have, I was, it was crazy that we're talking about this because I was on a walk last night and I committed to myself either journaling in the morning or at night or journaling in the morning and walking at night. Cause I was like, I'm just getting to this space where like, I, I love to write. And I'm like, I used to be able to sit down and write the most eloquent thing about what I was thinking or feeling or the world. And now when I write something, I'm like, the like I have no idea what I'm just so busy and I don't even know so I was like Jordan I was like I don't even know what to journal about I don't even know how to do that but I was like I'm gonna sit down and write three minutes of or I did three pages of like conscious thoughts so I love that you are just reaffirming that so anyone out there that's like I've always said I'm gonna do it but I don't know what to do we she just gave you a resource I wrote it down we're gonna put it in the show notes so now you have a guide to kind of help you um with what to write about and it's, use, use the prompts. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like three minutes. Like we all yeah. can take three minutes. And I think one of the things that journaling does is it kind of clears out. It's like a bunch of cobwebs in your head and it's like going through the cobwebs and like knocking them down. And I also personally find it helpful in a lot of like clients that I actually work with do a lot of time thinking about thinking. And it's like, you spend so much time doing that. And so like, get a to-do list too. Like journal your thoughts and feelings and, you know, follow the prompts, but then write what you have to do for the day as well. Because I feel like sometimes the anxiety of everything you have to do, everything, especially with that high achieving nature, it's like everything I have to do, everything I should be doing, right? At least you can visually see it and it further leaves space for you to not have to think about what you have to do. You can just go and look at it. I find that to be really helpful personally too. And some days I'm better at it than others, but the days I do it, I notice more of a calm peace about me. I've also been writing down at night. The conversations you guys had about school are so interesting to me because I graduated college and was like, peace out. I'm never coming back, but I can see where you would like, you always had that end mark. 
sometimes I've started to realize that when I do like, I don't want to spend time on tasks for work or something that like, aren't going to push me to another level of greatness. That sounds wackadoo, but it's like, if there's not an, an outcome of, I always use the term gold star. Maybe that's not right here, but like, if there's not like an outcome, then it's like, why I don't want to spend time on it. It's like busy work to me, but sometimes my job is busy work. And like, I have to do my job, you know? So I've been writing down at night, like, you know, you said a really good thing in that meeting today, or like you wrote 45 minutes of that. And, and that pushed you closer to the end, even though that you didn't complete it. So hearing y'all talk about school and that mindset kind of reminded me of that, like this desire that we have to like close things out maybe, and like constantly have something that we're working towards closing out. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah I think, I think that's what kind of like shattered that for me. And I, so I just turned 30 and I wrote, uh, I wrote a newsletter. My newsletter was uh, 30 things I don't do anymore as a 30 year old. And that was something that I put a poll up on my Instagram and, um, people, people wanted that one. I kind of let them pull what they wanted for, for birthday week. And one of the things that I was really reflecting on is like, it took, and I, I shared this in the newsletter. I was like, it took me like, take it from me. Like it took me like achieving, like all of these things and doing all of these things to realize none of that mattered at all <laughs> to me really. But I would have never realized that if I think if I had just maybe stopped at my bachelor's or if I hadn't started this business, I don't know. I think you people say that. And I always hear people say that. And I'm like, oh, sure. Like easy for you to say that from like your place of privilege or whatever, that it doesn't really matter. But I'm like, you know, it took me getting there to kind of realize that my worth was not in this, this isn't even the most fulfilling thing hitting these goals because you hit them and you really are like, what's next? Like you hit them and you're like, it, it feels like a checklist, like mm -hmm. writing, writing your to-do list, Taylor. It's like, okay, I did the PhD check. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, now what? Okay. I saved this much money. Never thought I'd do that. Okay. Now what? And what am I going to do with that anyway? Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like each kind of thing that I do. I'm like, that for me was the breaking point. That for me was like, I got to find something else. Like I got to find something else that actually matters here because this stuff it, it ain't cutting it. I'm going to keep checking things off the list till I die. Yeah. yeah. But the irony is what I'm hearing you say, and probably I'm hearing this because I also had this experience is what really matters is slowing down and being present in your life. And that was the one thing that was always there, but that to-do list nature of like, check, check, let's go. You know, we end up doing versus actually being and living. Yes. I say all the time, I want to be a human being, not a human doing. Yeah, and for so long, for so long, I was just like kind of a human doing. And I do think that like social media makes it worse. I think there's just a lot more comparison now. I don't, I don't know. I can't say how it would have been like years ago, but I feel like that makes it worse. And I feel like that's why it really takes like the inner work through the journaling. For me, therapy is just a non-negotiable, but <laughs> But however you do that, it kind of takes doing that inner work of, yeah, really asking like, why am I doing this? Analyzing your motives for things. Cause otherwise we're just functioning out of our conditioning. And my conditioning told me that my worth was in what I achieved. My worth was in celebration. My family would celebrate everything. And if I wasn't being celebrated, then what did that mean? I wasn't really doing anything. I didn't really have any worth. 
And so it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can see that for my whole family. I said, my brother just graduated medical school. I mean, we've got some high, high achievers in there and it was just like, well, I got to keep up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because what I find is the people that are high achieving have difficulty doing the inner work because again, it's not something you accomplish. There's not some end result, right? We know about this inner work is it's a continual process. Like you said, therapy is a non-negotiable for you, you know, and I find you're always leveling up, you know, and it's not even from this place of, I got to be more. It's literally like, how do I tune in and be in alignment. And it's, it's interesting. I find a lot of, you know, I work a lot in my, I have a coaching business with high achieving women and it's sometimes hard for them to want to be like, I need this also because a lot of times high achievers put themselves last, right? It's like, maybe you have this long to-do list. It's, It's so long. Oh, you're right at the bottom of this, you know, and then there's no time for you. Yeah. My encouragement is always, if you if you're thinking about therapy, if you're thinking about doing some of these things, just, you know, give it a shot. Like, why not? I would say if you're resonating with any of this, then kind of lean into that. Get curious. My husband always says he's, <laughs> he's a lot more therapisty than I am. He's so funny. <laughs> he's very feely. I'm not feely um, in general. He always says, let's get curious about that. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Like, let's get curious. I love that though. He has all these little sayings that are so funny. But anyway, I'm going to say what RJ would say and just say, get curious about how you're feeling. So switching gears just a little bit before we close, you just announced your pregnancy on social media, which we're so excited for you. And the reason I bring that up is because we have a ton of moms here that listen to this show and that also balance the high achieving mindset and being a mom, any thoughts or like words of encouragement as you step into we, I mean, we need to be showering you with encouragement, right? As you're, yeah, you, like, you tell me what I, I know. Need to know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so I have, I have a 14 year old stepdaughter. She's amazing. You know, she's been in my life for a, a while and she, she's, <laughs> she's so high achieving too. It's like hilarious, but we're having another girl. Oh, so that's really exciting. I don't know anything, yeah. <laughs> which I love. This is yeah. like, like one thing I like feel completely unprepared for. And I just absolutely love that. (laughs) So thank you for celebrating with me. I'm really excited. We're both really excited and yeah, excited to have a little baby join us. Oh my gosh. Another high achieving baby. (laughs) Oh, she's going to be in the family. She's going to be, she's going to be something else. RJ's a little work. RJ's a little nervous for another girl in the house. That's going to be so awesome. And I can't wait to see how your world, I mean, it's a pivot. That's what you do when you own a business and you have a passion and a career and you have a little one, you pivot, but you pivot in the best way because you have this different type of meaning and your time is different. So I'm I'm excited to see like what that looks like for you, but I know that you're going to continue to do great things. Okay. Where can our listeners find you? If you guys didn't catch on to the Coco Thax joke, that's her Instagram name. So where can our listeners find you, connect with you a little bit about the resources that you have? Yeah. So, I mean, everything is like LinkedIn, Instagram, of course. I'm at Coco Thax, C-O-C-O-T-H-A-X. 
And then our, our business, if, if people in the Atlanta or local to Georgia are interested, it's at ATL Well, and then we're Atlanta Wellness Collective. Um, so either place, I, I'm I'm at Dr. Nicole Thaxton on TikTok. Somebody stole Coco Thax on TikTok. No. I'm, like, I'm like, they knew. They got there before me. So um, I mean, it is what it is, but I'm not clearly salty about it. Um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, if they, if you want to sign up uh, for my newsletter, like all of that is through my Instagram, it's like linked in there, but that's kind of like the place I would say I pour into kind of that community, the newsletter community the most. Instagram is like weird for me right now. I don't know how you guys are feeling about it, but I'm just kind of spending a little bit less time there as we're kind of growing the business and like just leaning into our team, but those are probably all the best places to find me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was great. Awesome conversation. And I know that our listeners will take so much away from it. So we'll connect everything in the show notes and you guys make sure to connect with Nicole, share this on your socials. If it was impactful for you so that you can impact someone else and we will see y'all next week. We are almost done with this episode, but we want to leave you with tangible steps to apply this. We are all about taking messy action, and we would encourage you to embrace that with us. This week for messy action, we want to encourage you guys to journal and not just like an, oh, I'm going to put it on my list. I'll think about it. Maybe. No, we want you to be very intentional. Set a plan. Is it going to be at 6 a.m.? Is it going to be at 830 p.m.? Set yourself up for success and follow the tips in the conversation that we had. So you can be journaling about your anxious thoughts, about your fears, about your future self stream of consciousness, three to five minutes. And we're excited to see how this helps you, you know, reconnect with your thoughts and your feelings. Y'all and just set a timer. Like you have three to five minutes. So often we think we don't have the time, set a timer, knock it out, make it a priority, actually spend the time doing versus the time thinking about doing action. Okay. We can't wait to see you guys next week. Have a great week. Bye y'all. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We love when you share your imperfect but impactful progress with us on social media. We've linked our Instagram, leadher.everyday in the show notes so you can tag us. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to stay up to date. See you next time.